Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are thrilled, thrilled to once again be joined by our good friend, the amazing Eves. So glad to have you back. Um, yes, because you took... You took a month off, um, and you were greatly missed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I missed you too. Yes. How how have you been? Do you have anything that you're excited about or that you would like to share? What's been going on, Eves? I don't know. I'm excited about life, so I guess that's a good place (laughs) to start. You know, like I feel like times are hard, and it's really hard to stay grounded right now. So I'm excited about life. I feel like this is one of those times, of of course, we're at the end of the year. So everybody's reflecting on how the year was, what it's been like. And I know that's like a pretty heavy load for a lot of people. But I think it's really nice to have this moment where we can all expect to think about change and expect to be hopeful because that can get really weedy and difficult when... Like so many things that we talk about on a daily basis aren't about hope. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, we need that perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited and I'm I'm glad to be here with y'all. Yes, that's a, I love that. That's such a a positive take on it, (laughs) (laughs) which I really appreciate because we're kind of like, me and Samantha have been so... Uh, <laughs> everything yes. is terrible. But that's yeah. that's good. I like that taking that moment. But I also, yeah, I'm a big, at least right now, I'm a big proponent of like taking that moment, but also being gentle with yourself with that <laughs> that, that moment of like, yeah, it's been rough. Uh, but there are positives and it's nice to think about still what changes you would like to make, however small they may be. I am also very, very excited about the woman you bought for this episode because we discussed her very briefly. We did a history on women and the USPS, which was surprisingly fascinating. Yes. (laughs) It felt like a Western, and so you actually brought 
us a Western. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, all of the the dangers people used to face. And I loved kind of the community aspect of it too, where everybody sort of knew the the post person. And uh, also a lot of, of controversy around outfits, of course, always. <laughs> <laughs> Are y'all good at that? Do y'all converse with your post people? <laughs> so this is, I just had a whole like <laughs> I know I just had a whole thing because I usually give our uh, mail carrier like a gift card for the holidays and say thank you and I had to sit back and forth and stare and I'm like I don't know their name and to be honest they switch up so often because I live in an area that's just pretty high traffic there's a lot of complaints I think we had an issue with like <laughs> mail going missing slash dumping. And I don't know, I don't think it's that person, but like issues like that. So I was like, I don't even know if they're a man or a woman. I don't know. So I don't want to say, you know, postman, postwoman, mail. So I just called them mail carrier, but mm-hmm. it felt awkward and so impersonal. I felt really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Um, <laughs> I know, I know the person who, does most of the, like, USPS person who does most of the delivering of my mail. And he's super nice. He's seen me, like, in all kinds of states of, like, being <laughs> soaked by the rain or, like, in my pajamas. <laughs> and once I came out, I just happened to open the door randomly, and he was right outside my door. And I'm easily startled, as you all know. <laughs> it, it was a huge moment of, like, like I'm jumping back and almost screaming. But then he was like, I hope you don't mind. I've just been signing <laughs> for you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, I appreciate that because I'm never, I never hear them and I'm never there to sign. Yeah. Or at least I never hear them. I'm always here in my apartment. But anyway, and he showed me the signature and he was like, is this okay with you? And I'm like, yeah, it's better than mine. I hope that doesn't get him in any trouble. I really do appreciate it. But uh, I was going to say, you just got him fired. Way to go. Oh, Amy. no, I love I'm just, him. I'm just like, I'm just like. <laughs> I don't know that that, I don't know that it was like a, I actually have no idea what he was doing, but he he was signing my name and showed it to me. And I was like, yep, I'm into it. I love this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Continue doing this. <laughs> I've missed the many packages for that reason. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's so that's why I'm so appreciative. I think I have indicated somewhere, like, for the love of God, I don't care. Just leave it. If it needs a signature, I will take the blame. I think I've actually gone into the website and said that, like, please. <laughs> Please just leave it. <laughs> what about you, Eves? Uh, no, I'm really bad at stuff like that. Um, I feel like my social anxiety shows up <laughs> mm-hmm. with this kind of thing. Um, I want to get better at it, though. Like, I I would love to get better at that. So, like, that's, that's definitely a goal of mine. It's good to be on good terms because as we talked about in right. that episode... Sometimes they'll notice if you, like, don't answer the door, they haven't seen you in a while, and they'll report stuff. And yeah. people have been... Like saved by <laughs> their mail carrier being like saved by the mail something's carrier. Something's amiss. Yes. Now that's a that's yes. a movie, that's a Hallmark <laughs> movie we need. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> saved by the mail carrier. All right. Well, Eves, let's get into the story. I'm so excited. Who did you bring for us today? So today we're going to be talking about Mary Fields, also known as Stagecoach Mary. So I have a feeling that that's going to be a name that's that a lot of people might be familiar with, even if they don't know um, anything about her, exactly what she did, or even what her first was. So stagecoach Mary, Mary Fields, was the first Black American woman to carry mail on a star route. 
for the U.S. Post Office Department. We'll get into the weeds of like what a star route is and a little bit of the context for the U.S. Post Department back then. But yeah, like I've, I've, I'm sure a lot of people have heard that because she has one of those monikers that like just rolls off the tongue. That's so easy to say. Stagecoach Mary, it sounds so cool. Like the two of you were saying earlier, like it, the whole persona and the story of Mary Fields just is so ripe for the imagery and the idealism and all the like fluff that came along with what the old West is. And I was I was recently in the West because I was recently over there. This is kind of what inspired me to start thinking about Black women in the West and like reading about them um, because I'm a Southern girl forever and I've been in the South. Um, a lot of my family is from the South. So yeah, there's a lot of this mythologizing and romanticizing of the Old West and also the making larger of her character itself when it comes to her. She's the perfect subject for legends and myth-making. So a lot of the tales about who she was and what she did during her lifetime, which was in the 1800s and the early 1900s, is embellished. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. are definitely a lot of apocryphal stories there. But on the other hand, it also means that she's been recognized. Um, She has a nickname, you know, and she's had books written about her. She's been fictionalized in TV and film and over the years as well, like including more recent things. And yeah, so she just has a really cool story. Yeah, she absolutely does. Cool picture too that usually comes up when you search her. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty bad. It is. Um, yeah, and there's some excellent quotes. The picture, I've seen that picture even before we were talking, we've been talking about who she was or what she was in relations to uh, the U.S. Postal Service because you've seen that picture. Whether or not you know where it's from or it's pretty famous and her kind of like, she became, like you said, very, very like romanticized and then again, like a legendary tale almost. But that picture in itself, so like, oh, I've, you know, like ever Every now and then you're like, that's one of those that I recognize. I don't know why, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is badass. And I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. It's a legendary picture. <laughs> it really is. So is. there is an author who wrote a book, Deliverance, Mary Fields, the first African-American woman star root mail carrier in the United States, a Montana history. <laughs> Had to go through <laughs> with the full thing there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so according to her, the author... I don't want to get her name wrong, but I believe it's pronounced Miante Metcalf McConnell. But according to the author, the documentation that the author provided to United States Postal Service historians enabled them to verify her, quote unquote, first. So McConnell also says that through her work, she was able to confirm that Mary Fields was the first Black person to register to vote in Cascade, Montana. Um, So that author is also scheduled to release another book. Um, in 2022. So we'll, we can get into more of the context of all the things that um, the Postal Service stuff and Mary Phil's life um, and all of that later. Yes. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. 
Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank. Brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Let's start at the beginning. So... Mary Fields was born around 1832 in Hickman County, Tennessee. She didn't know her birth date, as so many Black people didn't. She was born enslaved. She was a servant for the Warner family in the years before the Civil War. And she was emancipated sometime uh, around emancipation or just after the Civil War. She could read and write, but there isn't a lot more that's documented about her early years. There's a lot more that's documented Um, into her later years. But it is known that after emancipation, she worked on steamboats on the Mississippi River in the Southeast. And one of the steamboats that she worked on was the Robert E. Lee, (laughs) which garnered attention when it beat the Natchez in a publicized race from New Orleans to St. Louis in 1870. So Mary eventually made her way to Toledo, Ohio. And there she started working at an Ursuline convent The Ursulines are a Catholic religious order of women. It's not completely clear why she gravitated to the convent. There is speculation around it, um, but one theory being that there was some familiarity there because she was a servant for the nuns for several years, and they had relatives who were nuns at the convent. But either way, she made it there by train in 1870, and she did jobs like wash laundry, work in the kitchen, and maintain the grounds. And these are things that you'll see come up throughout her entire lifetime as she moved from place to place. She continued to do laundry, continued to cook and work in the garden. But as a worker there at the convent, Mary met Ursuline mother, Mary Amadeus, and then many of the nuns that were there ended up going to Montana and running a school for Native Americans. Mary Fields also ended up moving to Montana Territory in 1885. So for context, Montana was admitted as a state in 1889. So just four years after she moved to Montana Territory. 
It said that she moved to Montana when Ursuline Mother Amadeus was sick with pneumonia there. Um, Some sources say that they knew each other before the convent because Mother Mary was related by marriage to the family who had enslaved Mary Fields in Tennessee. But, like, we could go on forever with the links and all of the stories and speculation. So Mm -hmm. we'll just fly past that. But in Montana, she worked at St. Peter's Mission near Cascade. She helped with construction, again, did laundry in the garden and other odd jobs. And she also delivered food and supplies to the mission. So she drove horses and a freight wagon for miles to get stuff to the Ursuline nuns. So in a lot of these secondary accounts of Mary Fields, she is described as being crass, (laughs) hardened, mean, quick-tempered, which goes into the myth-making around her as a figure more so than an actual person. Even if she had some of those qualities, a lot of the descriptions can be embellishment, exaggerated, and even inaccurate. She's been made into this character as it goes with a lot of people who are nicknamed. (laughs) So... She had other, there were other things people called her as well, um, like Black Mary, White Crow, Colored Mary, N-Word Mary. There's something to be said about the way that the Old West mythologizing mixed with the stereotypes of Black women in her story. Those things were all wrapped up together um, because she was both. She lived in the West in this time that is portrayed with so much fantastic imagery um, that is understandably fascinating, you know, for us to look back on, but it's wrapped up in so many, so, so many conceptions that we have of the time that are built on media and the propagandizing (laughs) of, of the character of the time. So, you know, there were sources that said she was six feet and 200 pounds, which is like, you know, Wow, we need to talk about her weight, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Which um, McConnell says it's not true, that she did quote-unquote man's work. So a lot of the secondary sources that you'll see, which is like, oh, you know, great. They're talking about this this woman. Like, it's great that we do have so many, like, mainstream sources that talk about her, that talk about her history, but still fall victim to all of the stereotyping and the racism that's been perpetuated from her over time because it's just kind of regurgitating those things. So that she did man's work because she was doing things like construction, gardening, and carried a gun and things like that. And that she was generally imposing. So with the building of this figure, like in my head, you have a picture to go along with it. So that picture that Samantha mentioned earlier that is of her standing in a very like stately way holding a long rifle that's almost as tall as her and in black and white, you know, that helps mm-hmm. as well. Just makes it so that, wow, like, yeah, I can see this woman being that person. I can, Maybe these things are true. So people have created this larger-than-life character for her. It was gun-toting, pants-wearing, fight-picking, <laughs> mm-hmm. drinking, smoking, cussing woman. Mm-hmm. But... It's important to remember that she was a dark-skinned Black woman in the United States in the mid to late 1800s, early 1900s. And that happens all the time with dark-skinned Black women where they're portrayed as more masculine 
Um, and they have to be a certain way. Power is inherent in a person, especially one who's in the Old West. Like, how could a dark-skinned Black woman who lived, you know, lived and worked just after the Civil War and knew how to ride horses and was a sharpshooter and all of these, how could she not be masculine? So, <laughs> yeah, this is, it's been definitely, like, that's what's spewed in her history. Um, so she was a good shooter and horseback rider, but she wasn't in gunfights and she wasn't in a gang and she wore pants under her skirt and she was tough and she was devoted to her work and the people she cared about. But it's really clear that during, even during her time, so this wasn't just post her, you know, posthumously. This was also during her time, you know, when she was getting these nicknames and things like that. But her figure has been stretched beyond her actual personhood with it being clear that racism plays a big role in that which is something that I know y'all encounter a lot, like when y'all are <laughs> doing your history research um, and in feminist history in general. Yeah. I think it's funny that anything that isn't shrinking is obviously the opposite of that. Like if you're just being, that means you're trying to take up space, especially for women of color, especially as you were talking about like, that this specific woman in this time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Even today, we know that that still happens for people who are not seen as the the top tier of what they think is success, which is a white man in general. So having that and just could just clearly be existing, surviving, doing what they're good at. So therefore, uh, we have to make a reason as to why you are, we are okay with you doing that. We're going to allow this to happen. And it's usually very bigoted, very sexist, very racist reasons. <laughs> yeah. Can I repeat what you just said, Samantha? Because I really love that. When you just said, even if, if someone is not shrinking, it seems like they're taking up space. And I feel like you really beautifully worded that because... I don't that it's just really poetic in a way, <laughs> even though poetic kind of connotes a good thing. But because she was like that six feet and 200 pounds, like that translated in a literal way for people who were recording her history. Like she was a large person as if she couldn't do the things that she did and also still have character and, you know, be this person who was full of life. But, you know, she was clearly bigger than she needed to be because, I mean, oftentimes, I guess this is a conundrum in this, you know, where Black people and Black women are made more masculine and larger. We're also diminished, like made diminutive as well. So yeah, I really love the way you put that, Samantha. Thank you for saying that. Um, And I also feel like it's important to say that both things can exist at the same time. I feel like we talk about this a lot when we are talking about these figures in history, especially because they're first, like there is so much contradiction in them where there are people who came before them, but this is also accomplishment for them. It's the same case in this. It's like, yeah, she could have, you know, people can be tough. They can be rowdy. They can be all of these things today and yesterday and far back in history. Um, They can contain all of those characteristics in themselves, but that can also be... There are so many different elements to it. Like people who lived during her time and interacted with her were also colored by their perceptions of her based on the worldviews that they had at the time, a lot of which was racism, but also ignorance and not interacting with Black people and expecting a certain thing when it was time for them to interact with Black people um, and expecting Black people to take certain roles, specifically Black women. So yeah, like... It could be that she had some of those elements in her and also that other people who remarked about her were remarking from their own personal worldviews 
And also that she might have been that way for a certain reason. (laughs) Because she was (laughs) in rural Montana in the 1800s. And she had to deal (laughs) with people and their prejudices. Like, it's not... It's not that it's not that complicated. It's definitely complicated, but it's not that complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. So, as the story goes the state bishop of Montana ended up ordering Mary to be dismissed from the convent and supposedly because she had gotten a fight with someone and gotten in a fight with someone and he deemed her behavior inappropriate for the the work that she was doing, the customs that they were trying to impart upon, upon the, children, the Native American children at the mission school. So after she left the mission, she went to near Cascade, which was just nearby, and opened a restaurant there, but the restaurant didn't do so hot. She gave a lot of away a lot of meals for free, so it wasn't that profitable of a venture. And that's in comes the part where she gets her first because she pursued a job as a mail carrier. Was that restaurant being a restaurateur didn't work out for her? She pursued that job as a mail carrier for a route between Cascade and St. Peter's Mission. So. She knew she knew the area already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in 19, 1895, she got that contract to be a star route mail carrier for the U.S. Post Office Department. At this point, she was in her 60s. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so for a little context, the department introduced rural free delivery in 1896 in West Virginia, and it spread from there though it took several years for it to be implemented across the country, so it was kind of slow moving. 
Because before then, rural people would have to travel to pick up their mail at the post office or pay private services to deliver them, while folks in the city could have it conveniently delivered. And in the years already, by default, I should say, um, in the years leading to rural free delivery, customers were asking for routes to be established to rural places for obvious reasons. Like a lot of the time they had to travel far to pick up their mail. Mm -hmm. So what exactly is a star route? It is in 1845, to reduce mail transportation costs, Congress had a preference for stagecoaches, but they ditched that, and then they made it so that contracts would be awarded to the lowest bidder for, quote, what may be necessary to provide for the due celerity, certainty, and security of such transportation. So postal clerks often shortened that phrase to three asterisks for the three points or and or stars, whatever you want to call them. The mm-hmm. bids became known as star bids, and the routes became known as star routes. And they the star routes started off being implemented in places that weren't populated enough for an official route. So star route just sounds amazing, though. Like, she did a star route. <laughs> in in, right, in actuality, it's, it's a lot more mundane than, the, than what it <laughs> sounds like, um, because the stars for asterisks, but still, you know, a star route, <laughs> like, you know. It's still cool. Yeah. <laughs> it felt upgraded for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's Agreed. not to diminish the work that she did. Of course, like I'm being mm-hmm. funny. But Mary, she did carry mail on her route for eight years until 1903. It was a 34-mile round trip. She had to deal with the harsh weather and the wildlife like wolves, which is where, you know, what is the... uh is it Balto? Balto, yeah. That kind of idea of like, oh my gosh, it's this huge <laughs> adventure that you have to go on and it's your day job and you're in the wild mm-hmm. west. Mm-hmm. And there are wolves. Like, yeah, there yeah. are wolves. There are wolves in, in the United States. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, um, pay was low and hours were long. Uh, and she would drive that stagecoach or she would even walk in snowshoes at times when it was necessary and she was reliable, and she was quick at her job. And her work as, as a carrier earned her that nickname that, you know, Stagecoach Mary. Yeah, I mean, I it's one of those things that, I guess, you know, we take for granted that mail just arrives. And at a time, yeah, there was, you're going out into the, the elements mm-hmm. <laughs> and dealing with wolves and all of these things. And I can imagine, like, how you know, people were grateful to be able to have the service. So that was kind of like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here she comes. Yeah. Stagecoach Mary. And if you go watch videos on, I I think about how, I don't, I don't know if this is the official slogan, but like the, for the U.S. Postal Service today, how it's like, we'll go rain, sleep, snow, or shine. I can't remember. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I thought you were referencing at first. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of pride around, you know, being able to deliver at any time and get the things to people when they need them. Um, And I also want to, you know, I said earlier that I was thinking about the West, uh, but also another thing, you know, it's the time of season when we're all talking about the post office. Yeah. And a lot of that talk is maligning, but <laughs> um, <laughs> they're doing a lot of work right now and they always are this time of the year. So I feel like it it fits, you know, within yeah. the theme when we're all thinking 
stressed over like when things are going to get to certain yeah. places and packages are going to get to certain places and if they're going to make them on time or not and if they're going to get there safely if there's going to be anything in the box when it gets there oh my god I could go okay. on and on about like this <laughs> are the you things, okay Eve? The, <laughs> no <laughs> I'm just thinking about the things that we complain about like but also yeah. thinking about how far we had to come to get to a place where we had our mail conveniently delivered like this it just feels right. so extra <laughs> yeah right <laughs> to be complaining about this I'm, Mm-hmm. I love watching episodes where it's supposed to be in the future and you have someone from the past and you're trying to explain like deliveries and or mail and they're like, oh yeah, we'll be here like immediately. And it's, they're like, yeah, no, really, they, it works like that. And they're like, what? Right. <laughs> those are my favorite moments of those comparisons. Two-day express? <laughs> Your mail <laughs> is delivered by plane? Like, I mean, it's amazing. It is. Um, because I'm, I mean, the logistics alone are make my brain hurt. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, so Mary was it's part of that history, you know? It's not just some separate yeah. woman history, not some separate Black person or Black woman history. She's a part of that whole history of the United States Postal Service that got us to this day. And after finishing her stint with the post office department, she opened a laundry service in Cascade. She babysat children, gave them treats. She continued gardening, and she went to baseball games in Cascade and even chose to be mascot for the town's baseball team, which, <laughs> sorry, when I heard this, it, I, I had to laugh because I was like, she was mascot for the team. You know, like, <laughs> did she choose that or, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? But she did. She really liked baseball. And you can actually go and find a picture of her with the baseball team online. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool to look out. And That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And people yeah. in the town would help her out as well. She got free meals. And when her house caught on fire in 1912, people helped her rebuild it. So it's not to say that everybody in Montana treated her well. Like, obviously, she, everybody didn't like her. <laughs> people mm-hmm. had it out for her. Um, she didn't necessarily gel immediately in the communities that she was in. Um, but she did have support in her communities. And she... Did form bonds with the nuns also that she worked with um, from the mission. So, yeah, there were people on her team and there were people who weren't on her team, as we can say about so many of us in life, with the caveat that she's her own individualized person who had her own struggles. But, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she died on December 5th, 1914, and she's buried in Cascade. And December is her month, so I feel like that's another good reason for yeah. us to talk about her. Nice. December is yeah. the month of remembrance, I should say. I'm into it. Um, yeah, this is, it's such a, it's such an interesting story. And I do think like, you know, going back to what you were saying, Eve's about taking this time to kind of reflect and think about change and things you want to change. And I, I don't know. I remember when Samantha and I did this episode on this and I had never really considered how I just take for granted the mail arriving, but also how important, you know, that relationship would be to somebody of this person bringing you something and bringing you mail and it would foster this. And I can totally see how it would build this reputation and you would just be like, thank goodness she's she's coming with the mail. And I, I, yeah. I think it's worth like remembering that kind of stuff and remembering the history that got us to where we are today. Yeah, I agree. That's what I was going to say earlier, that if you go and look at videos of uh, about the star roots, just the 
the pride that people in later years also took in like being the people who were independent carriers to get the mail to people. <laughs> like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is my boat. I know these waters. I'm going to get it to you no matter what flood comes. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty inspiring. I feel like you could add it to a workout playlist or like your daily affirmations, morning affirmations. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Someone's like, what do you do in your daily affirmations? Oh, I watch these old USPS videos. (laughs) They really get me going. (laughs) Probably works better than the ones we have today, so let's do it. That's, That's fair. That is really fair. Well, this has, as always, been such a delight, Eves. Anything else you want to add before we close up? No, I think that's all. That's that's it, y'all. Well, I do. I will have a question though. So, as we were, you were talking at the beginning, that she is portrayed now, even now uh, today, because she's become kind of such a figurehead. So apparently, both she, uh, stagecoach Mary, as well as Cathay Williams, are on are portrayed. I think this is very loosely based, but they're they're characterized as this uh, on Harder to Fall. Has anyone seen this? Yeah, I, I was going to bring it up, but I hadn't seen it. So I, <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I haven't seen it, um, but I do plan on watching it because I feel like okay. it's a very loose, uh, it's a pretty loose um, portrayal right. of who they were. I mean, I will say there was some like criticism on the, on the people who portray it because they were trying to make it, as we were talking about, like the larger than life uh, she is portrayed by Zussie Beats, I think I'm th- saying it right, on Harder to Fall. And obviously, I think from the photo of what we have for who she is uh, in, in the way back, way back, way back when, it's definitely a different portrayal. And I think that was kind of the same uh, idea with Cathay Williams. They were like, okay, obviously they're not doing it exactly. They're not trying to find people looking like them, but representing what they did. Yeah. So I just wondered how that came because I've, I've heard a lot of back and forth and I'm really excited about the movie because they do have a lot of famous black Western cowboys slash people in that time. So I do want to see it and I am really excited by it, but I, I wondered if anybody had actually seen that portrayal. But I'll answer my question. So any of my audience or our listeners have seen it, let us know. Yes. Yes, yeah. do let us know. Maybe we'll revisit this um, yes. in a future yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, and maybe you can drop a comment on like any discrepancies that you felt like were in the film or any things you thought that they got really right about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a, a female first uh, roundup. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah. wow, that would, that would be really good of portrayals and fictional media. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, the book that McConnell wrote is actually a fictionalized historical account as well. And apparently the book that she's supposed to be re- uh, releasing next year is going to be more on the nonfiction side based on the sources that she used to create oh, the fictionalized account. Okay. A lot of stuff to check out. I love it. <laughs> Um, and we love having you here, Eves, for the yes. last female first of 2021. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. What? So we'll see you in 2022. In the meantime, where can the listeners find you? Y'all can find me uh, on Twitter at Eves Jeff Code, on Instagram at Not Apologizing, and on here, this very show. Um, for a lot yes. of other female first episodes, you can go back through the archives and listen to those. Yes, which you absolutely should. Yeah. Thanks as always, Eves. It was a delight. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your year. Thank you. And have you a too. wonderful new year.
Same to everyone else. Yes. And thanks to you, listeners, for listening. Yes. And also to our super producer, Christina. Cannot forget her. Always. Always. If you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. And yes, thanks to all of you. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Whatever you... Happy all the time. But yes. All the <laughs> times. Yes. Stuff I've never told you is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.